I guess that's it. to do the whole world. That place I go looks exactly the same as every other place. So, is it 8 o'clock? So. Okay, we're up to the book of Shmos. The book of Shmos is different than the book of Bereshus. And uh, the one who uh, commented on this early comment was the Ramban. The Ramban gave the different books of the Torah names. I mean, we give them names also, but the names that we give them are kind of formal. It was the first uh, serious word in the, in the parasha is the name of the book. Like Bereshis is the name of the parasha of Bereshis. And it's also the name of the book of Barish. That's how we call it. But the Ramban, the, so there the, the names, uh, you know, of course everything means something, but it doesn't seem like the names mean that much. The names that we call them. So the book of Shemos is called Shemos because the second word in the first Pesach is Shemos. Ve'el Shemos. But uh, it doesn't mean that, uh, that the word Shemos is something special. The raya is, the proof is that the Ramban gave the books of the Torah different names. The book of Bereshis, the Ramban calls Yitzira. It's the book of creation. And the Ramban means, as we, we may have said this uh, on other occasions, the Ramban means that the entire book, everything in the book of Bereshis, every story, every event, is all about Yitzirat Ha'olam. It's all about the creation of the world. And it's hard to know, really, when the creation of the world is completed, when the world becomes as it should be. According to the Ramban, it takes the whole book of Bereshit's 49 chapters in order to explain to us what Yitzirah is. Okay? The second book of the Torah according to the according to the Rabban, it's called Geula, Redemption. That's the name of the second book of the Torah. So that the whole book, from beginning to end, and you know that the book of Shemos is divided into two parts. Two parts, as they say, the first part and the second part. Right? The first part of the book of Shemos is about the Shibud in Mitzrayim, the slavery in Mitzrayim, and Yitzias Mitzrayim. That's the first part, and Matan Torah goes along with that. So that's Shavos, Eira, Bo, Bishalach, Yisro, Mishpatim, which we call, you know, people call them the parashios of Shovavim. Shovavim. Shovavim, Shavos, Eira, Bo, Bishalach, Yisro, Mishpatim are the first half not in, in size exactly, but in topic. The first half of the book of Shmos. The second half of the book of, the Sh- of Shmos is about the Mishkan. It's about the tabernacle, right? Trumot, Tzavah, Kisisa. What? Did I leave something out? Trumot, Tzavah, Kisisa, Vayakel, Pekude. What did you want to say? 
Yeah, well, <laughs> it's hard to keep things in order. But, but that's the second half anyway. I mean, I'm just saying the parashiot as they appear. You're bringing up a problem. Okay, we, we get to Kisisa, we'll look into that problem. Hey, Mukdam, who said that? Rashi. You're fair? Rashi said that. But who disagreed? Raman, you're fair. But where does Rashi get it from? Where does Rashi get it from? He gets it from the Gemara. Which is where Rashi gets a lot of things from. The Gemara Sachim Davavamud in other days proves that Ein Muktam Muhammadura. Do you remember how? Yes, In other words, the first Pasig Bamidbar is Bakhadash Shaini. Bakhadash Shaini, then later on when Tamharak Tetz, when the Torah tells us about Pesach Shaini, it says it was Bakhadash Rishon. Because Pesach, because the problem of Pesach came up on Nisan. The first Pasuk in Mamidbar is Bechodesh Hasheni. And the Pasuk in Parakhtes, which is after Parakhtes, right, says Bechodesh Harishon. So the Gemara says, Aha, Eimukdam Bukhabatera. How does he explain what? No. So the Rabbah says, any place where it's obvious that it's Ein Mukhtar it is. But if it's not stated in the Torah that, it, that it's Ein Mukhtar Mukhtar, then you have to figure it out. You can't use it for creating problems. Well, you can't and you can't. You, you can't use it in a very liberal way, which is the way Rashi uses it. Sometimes even the Rabbah is forced to say Ein Mukhtar but it's only as a last resort. The Ramban doesn't like it. It's not like a, a, a principle that is easily extendable. So we're up to the Book of Shemos. The Book of Shemos is called by the Ramban Sefer Agu'ula, the Book of Redemption, the book in which the story of Am Yisrael redeemed from slavery is told. Now where does that story start? Where's that story? So if you look at the sheet, it says, Vayamos Yosef Kol Now, this is the beginning, the, the end of the old story, and the beginning of the new story. Yosef dies, all the brothers die, the Chol in other words, whatever the relationship was between Am Yisrael and the Egyptians, that's going to change. B'nei Yisrael paru v'yishritzu v'yirbu v'yatzmu v'me'od me'od v'atimalei ha'aretz otam. I mean, things were good. Things were very good for the Jews, for B'nei Yisrael. When things are good, people have large families. And that was the situation in, uh, in Pasuk. When we get to Pasuk, uh, whatever the Pasuk is, if I can say it. Ches. Ches. Okay. So the Pesach says, the Pesach Ches says, Vayokom melech chadash al-Mitzrayim asher lo yadad Yosef. Melech chadash. Of course you all remember, it's a question. What does it mean? What, what's a melech chadash? What's a melech chadash? So the important thing is to read is to, is to remember what the Ibn Ezra said. You see the Ibn Ezra under the, under the Pesukim? What does Ibn Ezra say? He says, safot. He says, that's like, like today we would say, don't dray a spotik. The posset means what it means. Don't make me, don't, don't confuse me with all kinds of midrashic material. That's what Ibn Ezra is saying. And he says, why is he called Chadash? Why is the king called Chadash? He was a usurper. He was not the son of the king. He was Chadash, according to the Ibn Ezra. What does Chadash mean? It means not, not an inheritor. He did inherit, uh, uh, he did inherit the, uh, the throne. Al-Kain, he says. Al-Kain, Ksiv, Vayakov. 
And that's why the Pesach says, Vayakov. Vayakov means unexpectedly. He stood up. You didn't expect him to be there in that job. You didn't expect him to have that job, right? But he does. He has that job. Another person about whom the Gemara says the same thing is Achashverosh. Right? You remember Achashverosh? What's the remedy that Achashverosh also was a new, was a new king? Because he doesn't have a father. Everybody has a father. But Achashverosh doesn't have a father. Why doesn't he have a father? Because he didn't want to emphasize the fact that his father was not the king. So Achashverosh is just called Achashverosh. Just plain old Achazresh. Right? Yaakov Melech Hadash, the Ibn Ezra says, the Ibn Ezra says, a usurper. He was not, he was not in line. He was not in line. So if that's the case, the Ibn Ezra thinks that there was some sort of upheaval. Right? Asher lo yadad yosef. So Asher lo yadad yosef makes sense. What is Asher lo He really didn't. He had nothing to do with yosef. Because he's not from the kingly family. His father was not the king before him. Shlo Yadad Yosef. I mean, it starts again. That's what Chadash means. A new beginning. Everything starts over again. Right? There's no history. You can't go to the Melech Chadash and say, Oh, we've been living here so long and everything is so good. Everything is fine. Can't do it. That's what the Ibn Ezra says. And the Ibn Ezra takes a stand the Ibn Ezra takes a stand against the interpretation quoted by Rashi, which appears in the Gemara. Now, Rashi is very famous, and it's important for us to kind of take a look. What does Rashi say? Vayakum Melech Hadash, Rabbi Shmuel, Chadamar, Chadamar, Chadash Ramash. What Chadash Ramash, I guess, means the old king died, and the new king, he doesn't get into this. Rob doesn't talk about the fact that the new king was not a king, or was not from a kingly family. But here he says, Melech Hadash, the Chadamar, Shenit Hadshu, Gzerotam. Now you have to know about Rashi. Rashi, when he has to deal with a halachic posuk, a posuk that tells me, do this or don't do that, and in the Gemara, there is a machlokah about what the Pesach actually means. Usually, Rashi is going to tell us what the halokha is. So if there's a machlokah in the Gemara about what ayin tachat ayin means, that, you, that, that with the slave, you knock out his eye, if he knocks out an eye, if somebody knocks out an eye, you knock out his eye. So we don't pask in that way, right? We pask in... Ayin tachazayin, momo, not mamush. So Rashi, when he has to explain that posuk in, in Mishpatim, what does Rashi say? He says momo. doesn't quote all the opinions. However, when it's a matter of agadita, when it's a matter of agadita, so from this point of view, what does agadita mean? That there's no psak. There's no way to determine Rav is right or Shmuel is right. Because it's not how life. In other words, there's no way to determine who's right and how lawful either. You have to understand, we have no way. If you have two opinions in the Gemara about a halachic matter, who's right? I guess both are right, though. Right? There's no way to determine. Lemas said, you understand, we have to say something. You have to do it one way or the other way. Right? So the determination somehow is made. Determination is made, but in Agadita, it's, it's, it's either of them. When Rashi quotes both opinions, it's because both opinions are correct. If both opinions, according to Rashi, if both opinions were not correct, they wouldn't be in the Gemara, would they? I mean, how can you have an incorrect opinion in the Gemara? I mean, this is talking about by, by the way I look at it, the way I, I, I look at the Daf Gemara. The Daf Gemara is not, it's not like some kind of a game to see who's going to win. Who wins and who loses, which is why in most yeshivas they don't learn halacha lematzah. It doesn't matter. It's not just. It's not just that you know they don't have that book. They have this book. They have that book. That's not the way it is. It doesn't matter what the halacha lematzah is. What matters is 
the opinions that are brought down into Gibbon. And therefore, each opinion deserves to be deserves to be recognized and investigated. So when Rashi says, one opinion is Melech Hadash, and the other opinion is Eshenit Chachuk Zerotav. Well, the who is of Yosef and... Uh, yeah, but it's not if they died, how much closer than the older, the fellow with the older generation. How much closer than the older generation? Okay, so they all died, so what? Okay, so they all died, so what? Yeah, but that's a natural thing, that they die, and that there's a new king. So what does Chadash mean? Why call him a Melech Chadash? What, what difference does it make to me if he's, a, if he's a new king or an old king? Uh, okay, consider. But Rashi didn't accept the Ibn Ezra. Rashi accepted Rabban Shmuel. And Rashi said, Rashi said that, that Hadash has both meanings. Both meanings are correct. It's either a new king or Nidhachuk Zerotav. What does Nidhachuk Zerotav mean? Everybody has this Kasha. What do you mean Nidhachuk Zerotav? Nidhachuk Zerotav means he, had, he promulgated new edicts. What new edicts? What, what are they talking about? What did Chachuk Zerotah, how did Shmuel say Nidhachuk Zerotah? Okay, let's look at the Ramban. Let us look at the Ramban. This is going to be a little more difficult. Look at the Ramban. So the Ramban says this. Lo ra'apar o v'chachmei yo'atzav l'hakotam b'chez. The Ramban is a, a, a simple question. How come uh, Paro, this new king, Paro, he wanted to do away with the Jewish people. So he had a pretty complicated way of doing it. He went and he talked to the midwives. He said, midwives, you give birth. You do the job for me. We'll make believe that it all happened by accident. But all of a sudden, there'll be no Jewish children around. So the Ramban says, what's going on? Why didn't he just order the soldiers to kill them? And he's the king. And who are they? They're just, they're just visitors. And they have strange customs. So why do you just kill them? So the Ramban says, the Ramban says, What do you say about that? So he uh, says that that's another king. So it's not no, this was a Melech is the power who was alive when Yosef was alive. In, in, in other words, he's saying, he say, even though this guy's the king, and even though he's the Melech Hadash, and even though he has Nidchatshuk Zerotav, nevertheless, he's, he can't just do anything he wants. He can't just go and kill all the, all the people, all the Jews in, in Israel. Because there's a memory. The memory in Mitzrayim was that the Jews got along with Paro and his associates. And therefore, according to the Rabbah, this guy probably didn't have the strength to do away with them. The Gam Am Lo Lasot Hamas What's Am you know, people, some people, regular people, the, 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 the Amcha, the Amcha, they're going to let Paro just go around, this new Paro, go around and kill all of the day Israel for no reason at all. He, Imahem Umitya Eitz. How does he know that? I don't know, he makes it up. But the Ramban, is, but the Ramban in any event, the Ramban feels strongly that this is problematic that Paro is not acting like a Paro. He's acting like a bit of a wimp. He wants to kill the Jews, and he wants to get rid of them. And he figures out the most complicated way imaginable to inflict pain upon Am Yisrael. Why doesn't he just go around and kill a lot of them? And the rest of them would probably run away. And what is he, what is he doing? So, so he, he's trying to figure this out. Uh, 
ועשו ויעשו עמה מלחמה גדולה. So he says, oh, so he says, that's what it says in the first Pasuk. What does it say in the first Pasuk? Vayifru, vayirbu, vayatsmu, vayatsmu. He didn't want to go and have a war with them. There are too many of them. There are too many Jews. We don't understand, you know, when the Jews left the tribe, there were 600,000 Jews, people. There must have been 600,000 Egyptians. There must have been many more Egyptians than there were Jews, but that's what the Ramban, that's what the Ramban says. So, uh, Alright, that's the Ramban. So the terrors of the Ramban, I don't find that something to be so enthusiastic about. But the Kasha of the Ramban is really a Kasha. How come the king has to be so devious? How come he can't just attack the Jews or chase them out of the country or send them away? And all the story of the parish of Shemos and Vaera is, is the story of Paro's inability to take leadership. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu came and he did whatever he did. Paro asked him to rescind the plague and Moshe rescinds it. And then why didn't he just go to war with the Jews? Why did he attack them? Why does he wait for the tent for after Makat Bechorot? Why does he wait all this time to attack uh, uh, B'nai Yisrael, to chase after them? I mean, you think he would do that immediately. And the Rabban says, well, politically, it wasn't the right thing to do. And what would people say? And how would it work out? And there were a lot of them. And blah, 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 blah. Even though the ancient world was not a world that shied away from wars or shied away from battles, as far as we know. I mean, we weren't there, but we've read about it, right? We read about it, got to the movies, and the movies, you know, everybody's at war with everybody else all the time. Otherwise, what would there to make a movie about? Any event, so this is like a problem. We have this problem about Melechadash and the apparent weakness of Paro in carrying out his his desire to get rid of the to get rid of the Jews. Then there's another pasuk, and the pasuk the next pasuk says the next pasuk says Havon Right, this is what the Ramban is talking about. What is Havon So Rashi says. You see the Rashi? The word Hava means get ready. Hazmana. Uh, Hazmana. And get the object that you're going to use also ready. Be ready. Be ready for this next stage of, uh, of Egyptian history. So the Chachamim, the Chachamim of Chazal said, made a very complicated, very complicated comment. They said, What does Nitchakma mean? So, so Rashi says, doesn't say anything. Rashi doesn't explain the word Nitchakma. No. I guess it means outsmart them somehow, right? We'll be smart. We'll be smarter than they are. But Chazal, they had a different take on it. Chazal said, Nitchatma lo la'am. Nitchatma ma'la sod lo. In other words, that's what, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be clever. We won't be stupid. But it doesn't mean anything in particular according to Rashi. But Rashi understands that this is insufficient, so he quotes Chazal. What did Chazal say? Rabbeinu, uh, one second, Rabbeinu Darshu, uh, that God has already promised at uh, the time of Noah that God has already promised at the time of Noah 
שכבר נשבע שלא יביא המבול עליהם, והם לא הבינו שעל כל העולם אינו מביא, אבל הוא מביא על אומה אחת. What happened to the Egyptians? They all drowned in Yamsuf, right? So they said, they said, it's a kind of a trick, Nitchakva. So according to this Chazal, what does Nitchakva mean? It means let's use all the wisdom that exists in the world. Wisdom means we know what God is going to do, or we know something about how things are going to turn out. So he says the only way, the only way we could beat the, uh, the Jews if we drown Moshe'an shall Yisrael, if we make sure that Moshe'an shall Yisrael drowns, then we will be able to, since God uh, acts, uh, uh, acts right? As if we drown, let's say we, we don't know who Moshe Anshel Yisrael is, but it's going to be somebody who's born. So we take all the kids who are born, and we um, take all the kids who are born, and, and we drown them. We're going to drown them all. So, so what will happen in heaven? What happens in heaven? So these Egyptians, they're drowning God's people. What should happen to the Egyptians? They should also drown. But the Egyptians say, the clever Egyptians, that's the Chochmah. They said, but we know that God promised that, that there won't be a Mabul. There won't be another drowning of the, of the people in the world. So Rashi adds as a comment that they didn't understand that God promised not to bring another Mabul, but didn't promise that, that the, a particular nation would not be destroyed by a flood, or by water, or by drowning. So at the end, at the end of the story, the Egyptians ran into Yamsuf, and they all drowned. They all drowned. So what does Nidchakeh mean including the Chazal? What did Paro say? Paro said, let's use the ultimate weapon against B'nai Yisrael. And what's the ultimate weapon? After all, he knew Paro. I mean, going to the Chazal. Paro knew, what did Paro know? That God was protecting them. But he also knew that God had certain limitations, so to speak, right, on, on what the, the, the response could be. So that if they killed them by fire, so they would be consumed by fire as, as, a, as a punishment. So if they would destroy them by water, the Chochmah was that God had already promised not to destroy the nations of the world by water. So they made a mistake. So that's real. That's Nidchakmah, right? That's real Chochmah. They, 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 they used the wisdom that they had about God. They didn't get it right. But that's called Chochmah. That's called Chochmah. Right? You know that in the... That's in the spheros. The spheros, the first spheros, Kesser, then Chochmah and Bina. Bina, Bina is, is the wisdom that comes from the Torah. But Chochmah is even above that. So like the, the, uh, the Egyptian, the Egyptian king, this guy, who, uh, who for some reason couldn't act directly against B'nai Yisrael, but now we understand he couldn't act against B'nai Yisrael because he thought that God was protecting them. And if God protects them, he wouldn't be able to, he would not emerge victoriously. So in those days, they all had these kinds of problems. So now let's understand. There's a Melech and there's Nitchatma. These are the two, these are the two problems that exist in these three psukhi that I would like to try to clarify. So we look at the Rambam. The Rambam says something in several places. The, the quote that I have here is from the Shmona Prokim, Perichet. Shmona Prokim is the introduction that the Rambam wrote to Pirkei Avot. Right? The, the eighth and last chapter, it says this. Aval Amru, v'chizakti et leiv paro. You remember that HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, don't worry, paro is not going to listen at first. That, that Paro will be obstinate because God will make him that way. Paro. 
ואחר כך עשו, ואחר כך אנשו ואמיתו, יש פה מקום לדבר. ועלה ממנו בידינו שורש גדול. In other words, in, in other words, we don't understand. If God forced Harold to act the way he acted, so why was he punished? I mean, that's the question, right? We all know that question. Like, like uh, the Rambam especially was very much um, uh, a believer in the notion of free will. And that free will specifically had to do with the choice between good and bad. And that's why there is reward and punishment. Because there's free will, you can choose. So you're going to be rewarded for choosing the right thing and punished for choosing the wrong thing. So why was Paro punished? Why were Paro and the Egyptians punished uh, if they were forced to act in the way they acted by HaKadosh Baruch? That's the question. This is not just a, like a, a theoretical question because it says it in the Pasuk. It says, well, she's actually at Leib Parozo. Why does the Rambam deal with this? So the Rambam talks about this several places, but one of the places is in, in, this, in this passage. The Rambam says, uh, one second. V'stakel ma'amari ba'zeh ha'inyan v'sim elecha libcha. Listen to what I have to say. I'm in the third line, the middle of the line. If the only thing that, they, that the Egyptians ever did wrong was that they didn't send the Jews out of the tribe, oh, so then I would really it would be a question, how come they, they were punished? How come they were punished? And said, how could God ask, tell Moshe Rabbeinu to ask Paro to send them out of the tribe? when HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, prevented them from sending the Jews out of, out of Mitzrayim. And how did God punish them when they didn't, when they didn't send them out? The, the language of the Rambam, this is written in Arabic, by the way. It's, you know, the Rambam wrote everything in Judeo-Arabic, except for the Yad except for his book at Halakha. So this is also, I'm reading the translation. I am reading a translation. I think I'm reading it from Moser of Cook. I'm not sure. I think it's Moser. Moser of Cook is like is like uh, fixed up. It's like a little modernized. The the Hebrew in the you take the they took the Ibn Tibbin translation, which is a classical translation. It's a little hard to read. It's like a little heavy, and they modernized it a little bit to make it easier for us to read. But basically, it's the translation of Ibn Tibbet. But the language is very nice. I'm in the fifth line, a little past the middle of the line. He says, what, what do you want from the Egyptians? The Egyptians were, were programmed not to send them. That is a terrible thing. So they called That's not what happened. The Rambam says not the day that the Egyptians were forced to keep the Jews in Egypt, and therefore we don't understand why they were punished. That's not what happened. Aval, paro v'siyato, paro v'siyato marubit kiratam b'lihechreach. This is the Ramban says this, and a lot of the medieval parshanim all say this. 
that Paro and the Egyptians were punished not because they didn't let the Jews out of Egypt, but they were punished because they added misery to the fact that they didn't let them out of Egypt. They, they made them work harder, they made them more miserable, they made things more difficult for the Jews, and that's what they were punished for. That's what, that's what the Rambam says, and that's what the Rambam says. Both of them say, say this. He says, Elish Ereyan Kena, Vaparo Vesiato, Maru Bechiratambaliya Kreach, Vechamsu Hagarim Hashevetokhacham, Vehalu Alehem Avel Gamur, Kashem Emabegayur, Vayomer Laman, Enei Ambene Yisrael, Rav Vatsumi Menu, Hava Nechakma Lo. Zot HaPu'ula Aita Bahem Bebchiratam Mebli Echreach Rak Beroa Livava Vaya Onesh Hashem Yitbarach Lahem Alzeh Lemanam Neatshuva So if the Rambam is right, who came first, Rashi or the Rambam? Rashi, Rashi came first. What does Rashi say? Let's go back to Rashi. You see Rashi, Rashi says, Lam, let's, let's outsmart them. Let's, let's think about what to do. Let's think about what to do. That's the simple shot. What is the more kind of complicated shot? What is the more difficult shot that Rashi quotes? They looked into the stars, they studied heaven, they became theologians, and they said, they said, if we do this, then God will not be able to stay in our way. What did the Rambam say? What did the Rambam say? What did the Rambam say? What? That, that, that's what they did. The Rambam doesn't explain exactly what he means, but he means that the Avera, of the Egyptians is in the words let's outsmart them let's use Chochmah let's use Chochmah in order to to beat them down that's the point that's the point of the, of, the, of the Ramban and this moment is missing entirely in the explanation of the Ramban right, remember the Ramban? the Ramban said said, well, they couldn't do this because they were in a bad political situation and the people of Israel were, were big and strong and were many. So let's go through it again. What happened? What happened? So the Rambam says, the Rambam appeared in, 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 in Akhtar the Pirkeyobos, the Rambam says, I don't understand. What do we want from the Egyptians? They were just following divine directives. So the Rambam says, no, havanet chakmolo. They made a choice. And for that choice, they were punished. That's what the Rambam says. What does Rashi say? What does Rashi say? What did they really do? They looked into the stars. They tried to manipulate heaven. They tried to determine how God, so to speak, would act in this situation. That deserved a punishment. That's the ultimate idolatry. Not just that they were idolaters, but they became idolaters with the in Israel, Israelite God. The God of Avram, Yisrael, and Yaakov. They decided that they would be able to manipulate that God. So Havan is Chakmalo. It's explained in Rashi. And with the explanation of Rashi, we can understand what the Rambam is talking about when the Rambam said that Havan is Chakmalo that's the free will choice that they made in order to, uh, uh, which, which, which implied that they deserve to be punished. Okay? That's the Rambam. That's the Rashi. We remember the Ibn Ezra. Remember the Ibn Ezra doesn't think that this is such a big deal. And it's quite reasonable. But we still don't understand exactly why he's called a Melech Hadash. We understand. A little bit better. But well, we don't know why he's called Amela Chadash. So if you turn the page, or you go to the next page, however you get there, you have here, there's a, a section that I've uh, 
that I gave you from the, a book called Yusise Lailo that was written by Ratzadok Akoin Milubli. Right? Remember Ratzadok? Ratzadok, you know, he's the one who didn't have any Hasidim. Because he didn't have any Hasidim bothering him, he was able to write tremendous um, uh, literature that we today benefit from. If the Ratzadok had had clients nitpicking him, then we wouldn't have any benefit from it. Maybe the clients would benefit. But Ratzadok, because he didn't have really have any Hasidim, had time to write tremendous amount of, of material. The famous his famous commentary on the Torah is called Pre Tzadik. This is a different this is a different book called Rusisi Lila, like it has to do with the dreams he had. He thought these were thoughts that he had um, at night. So now there's too much here actually to uh, to do it all now. Look at this. Uh, see line 26. Line 26. V'zehu gamkein ha'evdel ben Yisrael amim kemo. He's not talking about apsukim. He's talking about something. You don't know whatever he's talking about. He says, "Shamu b'yushalmi ki etzlam hula hefach yakarish baruchu libon shal Yisrael k'moshamu b'shirashirim al apasuk l'libi er bekrad de shul levavi ha'nishemamakei levavam be'emet davuk bo yitbarach." So we all know. We all know this uh, this rule. There's dibur, there's machshava, and there's maaseh. I think when a person does something, he doesn't just do it. He's thought about it, right? And then he does it. That's how it usually works. So what happens in heaven? if a person thinks about doing an Aveira, what happens in heaven? That person walks by a gas station and thinks of robbing the gas station. So of course, he's innocent. I mean, we were, nobody could accuse him. He didn't do anything. It's only if he does something do we know what he's thinking. But what about heaven? What about the judgment in heaven? If a person if a person goes by the gas station and says, oh, I'm going to rob the gas station on Saturday night. So in heaven, they should give him a zap, right? But the Gemara seems to make an interesting, a curious distinction. And that distinction is, and this is what the, 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 uh, the Tzodik is talking about. We won't be able to read it inside, but I'll try to summarize the idea. According to, according to the Tzodik, the Gemara says, the Gemara says that the machshava lo mitzareif lamase. In other words, when are you guilty in heaven? If you did it, if you didn't do it, it doesn't matter what you thought. I mean, it matters. It's not good to think bad things. It's a good to avoid them, but you're not guilty of anything. You're not guilty of anything. However, a non-Jew, the Gemara says, is judged for machshava is judged for the way he thinks about things. And so even if he didn't do it, he's judged in heaven as being guilty for thinking about it. What does this mean? How come a Jew is not judged for thinking and a non-Jew is judged for thinking, according to the Gemara? So what Sodok says, No, before I'm sorry. There's a Gemara in Gittin, the Rambam Paskins Lahawacha, that if a person, a person doesn't want to give his wife a get, a person doesn't want to give his wife a get. Kofin also, Atsha Omer Ani. So that's the halacha, that you could force him. You get him, and you can beat him until he agrees to give his wife a get. So of course the question is, what sort of halacha is this? Because everybody knows 
that you have to, if you want to divorce your wife, you have to do it willingly. You have to do it willfully. You have to want to do it. Well, if you don't want to divorce your wife, so and I'm forced to, to, to write a get or to give her a get, so then she shouldn't be divorced. How could she possibly be divorced? So the Rambam says, the Rambam makes this interest, the Rambam, the Rambam was not a Kabbalist, right? And, and according to most opinions. <laughs> we'll get into that argument. But Lechura, the Rambam was not a, not a Kabbalist. He wasn't mystical in the way he thought about things. So the Rambam says this, Kofin also, Achiro, Omer works because anybody who accepted the Torah, anyone who accepted the Torah at Hashinai, really wants to do the right thing. And, and, and so the Bezdin says to him, if the Bezdin says to him, divorce your wife, so that's what he really wants to do, it's just that there's layers of stuff, right? You know, like, uh, like we would say today. You know, there's all kinds of, of psychi- psychological layers that prevent him from doing the right thing. But if you could peel that away, if you peel away all that psychology, what would you have underneath? You'd have the will of the Torah. Because that's what Kabbalah Satara means. Kabbalah Satara, according to the Rab- that Rambam, and according to the way it's explained, Kabbalah Satara doesn't mean that God gave you a package wrapped nicely and then you took it home and opened up to see what it was. But that history, Jewish history from Avram Avinu until Matan Torah, is about preparing yourself for getting the Torah. So that once you are prepared to get the Torah, the, the, the receiving of the Torah means that it becomes part of you somehow. Even if you don't know all the details, and you don't know all of the, uh, the, the humras and the new ideas, you don't know all of that, but you know that you want to do what the Torah tells you to do. And since the Bezdin are the representatives of the Torah in this particular case, it makes sense to say it makes sense to say that, that the Bezdin, that the Bezdin representing the Torah really resonates inside of every Jew. And if this Jew happens to say, I don't want to do what the Bezdin tells me to do, so the Rambam says, you can assume that, that this guy is a little cuckoo. And if we could just straighten him out a little bit, his true will would be to listen to the Bezdin, and thereby divorce his wife. And so Kofin Osoachomerotzani doesn't mean against his will, but Kofin Osoachomerotzani means in accordance with his will. But he says if somebody hasn't received the Torah, if somebody has not received the Torah, there's no way that that person could possibly understand that the Besden, for example, represents the will of God. So if it's a non-Jew, if it's a non-Jew, and he, and he denies, he denies the, 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 the heavenly authority, then that non-Jew is telling the truth about himself. That's who he really is. Right? He really is a denier. He's not just accidentally a denier. He's truly and profoundly a denier of the authority of God. And since he's truly a denier of the authority of God, you can never do this with a non-Jew. Of course, God is not going to give a get, but, but you understand that what he thinks is what he is. What he thinks is what he is. So that Hovonis Chakmolo, Hovonis Chakmolo means that they understood, the way they understood the reality, as Rashi points out, and this is what Rav Sodek explained to us, they understood the reality was that they could manipulate heaven and not that heaven was in charge of them. That's what Hovind is and this was the truth of them. So that it didn't matter if they did anything yet. It didn't matter if they killed any Jews. It didn't matter if they had a- actually carried out this punishment that they devised against the Jews which they did not carry out too successfully. All that didn't matter. They deserved to be punished because they were punished for the thought which represents the truth of them and, and, and therefore 
they were punished for just saying Havon is Chakbalo not for that even though they didn't succeed they were not successful in wiping out the Jews in the tribe that's Havon is Chakbalo what prevented this from happening in the time of the old Paro was because Yosef Yosef, everybody understood that Yosef walked hand in hand with God. And walking hand in hand with God meant that, uh, that things were good for Egypt. So that itself prevented all of the Egyptians, including the kings and the, and the, and the other people in Egypt, from acting against Yosef. By Yochel Melech Hadash, by Yochel Melech Hadash, according to Rashi, it means a new king and new Xerot. And the new Xerot are reflective of the fact that the new king inside of him was totally different than the old king. The old king said, well, uh, Yosef is in charge. And the new king said, we're going back to our ideas. That's the Hova, Hova Nishakma, Hova Nishakma. So that the beginning, that the beginning of the story, the beginning of the story of the exile of the Jews in the tribe has to do with the Egyptians returning to themselves. Apparently, all the time that Yosef was alive, there was this, uh, uh, this stop, or this, uh, this uh, uh, pressure on the Egyptians to go along with Yosef, to uh, understand the world as Yosef understood it. But when Yosef died, and the people of that generation died, and Yaakov had long died, and, uh, and then the Egyptians returned to themselves, and that's what Chodesh means. Chodesh doesn't mean a new, different king, as the Ibn Ezra says. But Melech Chodesh means a king who acted differently. He changed the ways of Egyptian thinking about things. And that's contained in the words, Havon is Chakbolov. So, have a good Shabbos. I don't like to finish early, but I can't see Tomorrow will be better. Without Marv, without Marv. Yes, please, one second. So in light of what you've been saying, what's the shot in hearing Abeba was the Abeba? You mean there's another Gemara that says Hehura Abeba?